Welcome to another episode of Bullyproof, where we shine a spotlight on workplace bullying. This is an International Women's Day special. The theme this year is Choose to Challenge. Now is the time to choose to speak up and challenge the status quo. I am Marilise de Villiers, your host. I'm a mindset and performance coach and the author of Roar, How to Tame the Bully Inside and Out. In recent months, we've seen a sharp increase in reported incidents of bullying and harassment. So in today's episode, we are going to look at the importance of taking care of your people during difficult and uncertain times when emotions are running high and energy levels are at an all-time low. We live in a constantly connected world, yet people have never felt more disconnected. You're listening to Bullyproof, a podcast to shine a spotlight on workplace bullying, today's silent epidemic. Research indicates that 75% of workers will either be a target, witness bullying, or both. Each episode will explore how targets can bullyproof themselves and how leaders and HR can bullyproof their organizations. It's time to find your roar. Now, here's your host, Marilise de Villiers. I'm delighted to welcome Donna Hertzman as my guest today. Hi, Donna. Hi. Marilee, it's lovely to be with you today. So amazing. Thank you for joining me. Um, Donna is an award-winning professional services executive and mentor. In 2016, she was included in the inaugural Empower 100 BAME executive list. Empower and Yahoo Finance also named her as one of the 100 senior BAME executives in 2020. Donna also won the first Women Mentor of the Year Award in 2017. Now an independent consultant, Donna is passionate about helping people pursue their dreams and advises clients on inclusivity in the workplace. Donna, I'm going to jump straight in to ask you to tell us a little bit more about you. What gets Donna out of bed in the mornings? So I've, I think I've been really blessed to have um, an interesting career, but above all to meet some fantastic people on my journey and one of the things I get huge huge benefit from is seeing other people both live their dreams and have rewarding lives within organizations which everyone says is quite always quite difficult to do so that really that really uh, gets me fired up and if I believe if we just help one person be better tomorrow than they are today then, you know, we've done something positive in the world. Oh, I love that. I, I say the same. One person makes it worthwhile. And uh, I, I absolutely love that. Um, Donna, we, we're talking about a, a, a sensitive topic today. We're talking about how um, COVID is affecting people in the workplace and also particularly looking at women and how women are being affected by COVID. Um, so I want to really ask you, um, first of all, is it true that women are being disproportionately affected by COVID? Well, it's quite an interesting question. I was really shocked when I read a report by McKinsey and Bloomberg that highlighted that um, although 39% of the global working population are women, 54% of those that had lost their jobs were women. 
um, during uh, during COVID. So that shows a disproportionate impact, I think, mm-hmm. on women compared to to men. So it's not a men v women debate, but it's just demonstrating, you know, that they are proportionally losing more jobs than they occupy on on a global scale. And then I also saw an article uh, based in the UK talking about how women in particular are finding that they're working longer hours, especially during lockdown, because of the duties they have in the home, as well as working, as well as schooling um, their children. So if you put it all together, then it, it, it feels like it's quite a tough place to be. And, and that's really um, p- probably my own, my own experience has been um, being, being the mum and having the kids and homeschooling the kids and running the business. I think it's, um, it's really easy um, for women to, to give so much to others that you end up spending so much time um, helping others and caring for others, but not necessarily refueling your own tank. So I want to just check with you, what's, what's your experience been in terms of people that have, that have come to you to ask for help? Um, what are some of the, what are some of the um, things people are, people are telling you is happening? So I think, what, you know, one of the, the things we're now doing is we're all communicating via Zoom or Teams or whatever the platform is. And if you had a culture previously where you weren't very open about what was happening in your life, because you know you're your your whole self, you don't leave yourself at the front front door when you used to go into the office. Yeah. Then having those conversations now are even harder mm-hmm. because you can't say to somebody, you know, can I just come into your room and have a private conversation? Yeah. You know, you can't sit down and have lunch with them. So unless the organ an organization in particular has empathy as part of its values then what we're what are what women is what people are telling me so it's men and women is that they don't feel able to share just how they're feeling you know and I don't know about your people that are listening you know but I've had a couple of deaths in the family and you, they affect you not only do the deaths affect you but the, the very fact that due to covid rules you you won't have a chance to go and celebrate their lives you know, means it's a longer impact than might otherwise be the case. So we're living in this environment. And how do you say to your managers, or in fact, does your managers say to you, how are you feeling? What do you need me to do to support you? As opposed to, have you met that deadline? I gave you a deadline. Have you met it? If you haven't met it, why haven't you met it? And, you know, just by way of an example, I had someone who's who's explained to the manager that he'd been rushed to hospital and his comments to them was, what are we going to do with you? Right. Wow. And if that doesn't show a lack of empathy, I don't know what does. Yeah, no, that is shocking. And it's it's that sort of heightened levels of anxiety and stress we're all now experienced because of the uncertainty. So, um, and I'm really, really sorry to hear about the deaths in your family. It's um it's it's horrible. And I, I think many of the of the you know viewers can can relate. And and it's 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 just really unprecedented times, even though I don't really want to use that word. Um, I think it should be banned. <laughs> but yeah, so um just in terms of um you know looking at that sort of level of anxiety and stress, um what what can people do 
on a day-to-day basis to what what do you do on a day-to-day basis to um, help yourself in terms of staying healthy staying sane so there's a couple of things also I coach a couple of people so I share these tips with them so I have an imaginary bucket and in my imaginary bucket I have the things for which I'm grateful for you know so I'm grateful that I woke up this morning and opened my eyes I'm grateful that all my immediate family are are well um although I found out today two of my cousins have got covid but physically they you know they feel well in themselves so I count my blessings and I have to do that on a daily basis because otherwise you know I don't have enough of the positives to deal with the negatives that that might um, arise I try to go for daily walks with my husband actually and it's quite interesting the richness of conversation we have because we're out there walking walking together whereas we're in the home we're kind of busy doing separate things which is quite interesting that even though we're in the same space we're quite separate and I find that quite helpful. And as you know, I, I love Zumba. So I, I still <laughs> make sure I do uh, my Zumba classes. So instead of doing six a week now, I, I do three. But just the fact I take that time for myself, I think is making all, all the difference. And because I do support a number of people, including um, supporting a charity where I'm, I'm chair, there are lots of quite you know heavy demands on my time. So I have to be able to make myself available in a way that supports them. But I think as we were talking, speaking earlier, but making sure I take care of myself first. Yes. All love starts with self-love. And I think that's so important. And as women in particular, we are rubbish at taking the time for ourselves, you know, and we are always caring for everybody else but not necessarily taking as you say that time to do our Zumba class or our yoga class or just go for a walk in the woods it's it's so important to refuel our tanks isn't it I think I think it is and I you know going back to the disproportionate women that are losing their jobs even before we had COVID we know that we still had this issue of equity um, and therefore equality and we can't let those things go. You know, we have to be ready to come out of the pandemic. And I believe we will come out of it. We just can't now visualise what that world will actually look like. But we will get there, you know, as a world. We can't let these issues go because otherwise we'll find we've got even more challenging issues to deal with as society. So we still need to stay focused on making equity equality the heart of everything we do so that we can move forward you know at pace as we emerge from the you know from the shadow of um covid okay because i wanted to know your thoughts actually on equity and equality and whether you think covid is going to erode all the progress that we've made in in the last few years well the light the likely impact is that it's that it it will you know, most organisations are clearly stating the economic impact of COVID, how they're having to readjust their budgets to re- still re- maintain a workforce, but spend less. And initiatives such as those geared towards ensuring equity, quality, development tend to be the things 
that are sacrificed because they're not deemed to be critical in maintaining the business. Now, there are lots of organisations who are not in that position because they've done extremely well, uh, you know, as a as a, a result of COVID. And I know there's a big debate as to whether or not they should be helping others. I think one of the ways they can help others is to continue to show their commitment, their actions, and speak about the things they're doing to sustain uh, the journey of achieving equity and equality. Yes, absolutely. And it's um, so important that, you know, we we actually do that um yeah, lead by example, as you say. And, uh, you know, you and I talked about this earlier, the the whole um, where where we see organisations stepping forward and being very vocal and open about their initiatives, um, you know, really living and breathing those initiatives and putting their money where their mouth is. So um, not just paying lip service. Yeah, I think, you know, it can be quite easy to, to believe that we're all doing the right things. And I think we were talking about this uh, wonderful extract we'd both both seen, which I just want to refer to now. And it's it's by Adam Grant. It's called Think Again. He talks about this impact of psychological safety. And what brought it alive to me is that if you are working with people, even virtually, as opposed to, you know, face to face, there are some things uh, that you can see that will determine whether or not, in fact, your inclusive strategy it's really creating an atmosphere where people feel psychologically safe. So a good example is, you know, where people see mistakes as opportunities to learn means you are psychologically safe. Where you're not safe, you see mistakes as threats to your career. And unfortunately, I know many people who feel that that is where they stand within their organisation. Mm-hmm. And because they think mistakes are threats to their career, the impact it has is that they're unwilling to share their ideas. And at the heart of innovation is people sharing their ideas. Absolutely, yeah. Um, And I think organisations don't always stop to say, how do my people act? You know, when we're on a Zoom call or a Teams call, are they speaking openly? Are they sharing their views? Why aren't they sharing their views? Do they trust us as a team? Because if they don't trust you as a team, Again, it's an indication that you might think you've got inclusivity, but actually you've got people that are feeling very marginalised and very threatened by the culture that exists within the organisation. Yeah, and I have been personally been getting reports from people who are having said that um, managers have been have been using COVID as a um, as an excuse to treat to treat them badly and it's shocking the sorts of things that you were I mean here you you heard that you mentioned the comment earlier about the um you know what are we going to do with you <laughs> um I mean are you are you hearing kind of similar things yeah so you know I've had you know people say well you know it's only a few people but my view is it shouldn't be any people at all yes. um you know where they're saying that their their managers are using covid in two ways so they've had to downsize you know we talked about economic impact as a result of the downsizing they're expecting people to do even more than they were ever doing before they're not necessarily equipping them with the skills in order to do that and some managers are doing micromanagement so that and it's therefore having the impact of eroding the confidence of people to truly 
be as innovative as, as they can while still getting the day job done. You know, so you go from being prepared to stick your neck out because, you know, you've got an idea and you really think it's going to make a difference, not just to the organisation, but to the customers that you serve, because customers, I believe, are everything, to saying I'm not going to say anything because I know I'm going to get my neck chopped off. I know that's a very visual view, but that's the feeling that comes out from the, you know, the very people I speak to. And it's important, Donna, that you mention that sort of physical versus emotional impact because genuinely the emotional impact feels like a physical impact and your brain doesn't know the difference, right? So you've mentioned to me before that we use the analogy of a thousand paper cuts. So maybe can you just explain a little bit more what you mean by that? So, yeah, so I often talk about that, especially in relation to things like microaggressions. So if you think about um, getting a paper cut, actually I had one the other day and I didn't even know I had it until I ran my finger under the water and I, and I pulled back because of the sharp pain that came with it. Now, imagine you get one of those every single day. So the cut you have never has a chance to truly heal. Then mm. you're, you know, first of all, you know, my immediate reaction was I need to put on gloves. So straight away, you start covering the things yeah. um, that are hurting you because you don't want that hurt to happen again. But the, real impact is the stress and the trauma that goes with um you know having a thousand cuts that never really close because your body has to try to protect you your mind has to try to protect you and sometimes as we know from a mental health perspective that does not always work the way you think it would that you know people can get inside your heads as they say and your mind then becomes a place where you no longer feel safe and I can relate. I was there not too long ago, um, and it was more my physical body with the anxiety attack. So with my bullying experience. So for for those of you who are watching who are not familiar with my backstory, um, I was in a in a job for four years where I was bullied, and it got to the point, sort of the last six months, where I was getting daily anxiety attacks, and it was my body's way of begging me to stop right and in my mind I was the most resilient person and I can fix this and I can do this but obviously I couldn't because my mental and my physical um, health was really in in a very bad state and it it led to my resignation and and quitting quitting my job so Donna I want to come back to um, this recent events you know we saw with KPMG and then Bill Michael the uh, the UK chair's resignation after he told staff to stop moaning um it was a virtual meeting and um they talked about the the impact of covid and and the pandemic and uh he also talked about unconscious bias and he called it crap (laughs) um i want to talk a little bit about that that statement about unconscious bias uh being crap what are your thoughts on that um so you know so first of all you know i'm clearly not going to comment on the kpmg situation because you know, what's been reported has been report, reported in the press. But I would say that we all have biases. Yeah. It's part of who we are. You know, from the time we are born, our brain's function is to work out things for us that makes our lives easier. That's how the brain functions. And in creating those shortcuts, unfortunately, it embeds a degree of bias in there. So for someone, you know, for anyone to think they don't exist, for anyone to think, they don't affect how we how we see the world, how we relate to others. 
it's really not accepting that that is part of socialization for me you know part of the challenge is recognizing not only that we have those biases but then how they play out in how we engage with other people so we tend to like to uh, surround ourselves with people that are just like us so this is outside of the immediate family you know we like others um, for a certain reason and because we like them more than someone else we're prepared to give them more opportunities we're prepared to forgive them their mistakes compared to somebody else so it does play out in in how we interrelate and one of the things as leaders and I believe everyone's a leader because somewhere in your life someone is watching you and saying I just want to be like Marilise right so we're all leaders our job I think is to step back and to understand when those biases are getting in the way of us making fair equitable decisions Mm, love it yeah and it's not saying we're bad people and um, it's quite interesting that um, I was talking to somebody and they said, you know, we're really equal, Donna, they said. But on our leadership team of 14 people, we've only got one person that's a woman. And we have nobody from um, um, an, es- an ethnic background. And we're not sure if we've got anybody from LGBTQA because it's not something we really talk about. So that was quite interesting. Yeah, that was that was quite interesting. Their take on we're really inclusive. And we're, you know, but at leadership, it doesn't, it, it doesn't reflect their view of yeah, equality. Yeah, it's that uh, comment that's probably my least favorite comment in the world is when someone says, I'm not a racist, but um, I think the but can be preceded by anything. Mm-hmm. The but tells it all, says it all, doesn't it? So, Donna, you as a very uh, successful uh female black female executive um how how have you personally experienced unconscious bias in your career it's um i think that the the, i would say actually it starts before your career and i was i was trying to explain so i don't think i did a very good job actually talking to someone that actually it doesn't start with your career it starts long long before your career and so in my case the first time i think i was aware was when i was 12 and I'm quite you know and a, a teacher came to me and said it I couldn't possibly be in the top be in the top set in my school because I was I was black wow uh, to go go to the school um and fortunately fortunate, I don't well it's unfortunate and it's really sad that he felt he had the power to say that to me and an English teacher and I can still remember her name today found me and said you know I heard what was said she said you need to know you're in the top set because it's where you belong amazing so that's so if that starts with you at quite an early age then there's always a little part of you that begins to question either question if you're you know if you really deserve to be the place you're in or in fact overcompensate because Mm -hmm. you feel you have to demonstrate to people that you're there because you're you know, you have the talent to be there. And I can't say I always got that balance right, especially the overcompensation, mm-hmm. um, especially, I think, in the middle of my career. Um, I think, you know, potentially I might have been a bit of a nightmare because I really felt I had to over, overexert myself, over-demonstrate my ability to deliver, simply to be seen to be equal to my, my counterpart. And Donna, I can 100% relate 
with everything you're saying. I've had those exact moments um, in my career, and it also starts very, very young. Um, I had a similar similar experience with a teacher. Um, I won't go into details, but it's amazing how they can make or break situation and and you. <laughs> Um, and I'm sure a lot of our uh, viewers out there, you know, are also watching this thinking, oh, that's me, that's that's me as well. And so, yeah, um, I think we're, we have the, these shared experiences and therefore it's so important with International Women's Day coming up where, you know, we have a theme which is so fantastic, which is choose to challenge. And I just want everybody, you know, to find that sort of courage and that inner strength to start speaking up and start sharing your experiences and, and challenging the status quo. Now is the time, right, to do that. Uh, yeah, exactly. And somebody said, you know, well, where do you get your strength from? And I think it's this, you know, it's, I have a brain. It's my brain. No one gave it to me. I was, I was born with it, you know, and um, people can think whatever they want to think, but it's still my brain. Yeah. And nobody has a crystal ball. So no one can really determine where my, where my life will be or where it will go. Yes. And that was, that was the, strength, the strength I took. I thought, well, you know, it's my brain. And I don't know what it's capable of. So how can you tell me what it's capable of? I love that. Um, and um, so I've never, I've never let somebody else define who I am. Occasionally, it goes that way. And then I think it's really important to make sure you surround yourself with people that truly love you for who you are, because they can really just help bring you back to, you know, and put you back in touch with the reality, which is that you are good enough. You truly are good enough. And if people can't see that, then it's their problem, not your problem. Yes, we can be better every day, but no, you are good enough. Absolutely. Amazing. Love it. Absolutely love it. I can see why you're in high demand to speak, <laughs> <laughs> to speak on an International Women's Day as well. Right. So I want to I want to sort of start drawing this to more of a close. And I always go to 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 practical advice and practical tips. And you know, if we really would um if we are really serious as leaders to eradicate, you know, this sort of systematic process that is driving um, the inequality and the inequity, um, if we're truly ready to do that, to eradicate it, what, what must leaders stop doing and what must leaders start doing? Uh, that's quite a difficult question around stopping because it, you almost uh, assume they know what they're doing. So let me focus on what I think leaders can do. I think leaders can show their vulnerability. So I had the opportunity to work with a fantastic leadership team. And um, at the end of it, they actually found out things about each other that they never knew. And all of them at some point had been faced with some really difficult decisions and things in their lives that had shaped who they were, yet they'd never showed that. So being vulnerable helps others realise that you're not alone. Listening to people's lived experiences is absolutely quite critical. And when I say listening, I mean, I mean listening, listening without asking people to defend <laughs> what those lived experiences were. Yes. So, you know, I've heard people go, well, you know, why do you think that happened? I mean, somebody is not in a position to tell you that because it happened. But be mindful, coming back to this issue for mindfulness, being mindful that every time we ask people to live those, lived it, to share those lived experiences, we're taking them back to a time that might have been quite painful. 
Uh, so we don't want to re-traumatise them, but we do want to ask them to share and we want to listen. I think uh, what they can do uh, to really make a difference is to be really transparent about their intent, mm-hmm. be clear on their values and their visions, and support the achievement of equity in their organisations. And I think if they create those as things they're intent on doing, then their people will trust them and follow them on the journey. And they'll continue to drive innovation. And that's going to be more important now than ever, given the global disruption we're all facing. I mean, what is the new workplace going to be like? Discuss, well, we don't have enough time to do that today. But that in itself, you know, is a whole different view of the world. And we still got to deal with climate change because that has not, you know, that's not gone away as a major issue. And I know we want to make sure we leave something for our children um, that's better than the world we occupy today. So, you know, we have a lot of work to be done and it's going to take all of us to get that work done. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, I, I keep saying my my kids, I feel like they are still going to uh, feel the impact of, 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 of what the world is going through right now. And it's uh, it's therefore so important as parents, as leaders, as carers, um, you know, as friends, as colleagues, as people, as human beings, you know, that we, we come together and we, 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 we just start doing the right thing. I think that's what it boils down to is doing the right thing, doesn't it? I think, I think absolutely. And, you know, for people that are interested, they can go and do the research. But most research, such as McKinsey's, et cetera, they demonstrate and they show that the more organisations are focused on doing the right thing by their people, is what I would say, mm-hmm. how much their, their business and their customers benefit as, as a result. You know, I think I was sharing with you, there was uh, one lady that shared her story with me. And, um, you know, it was really unpleasant experience in the workplace. She went to HR and HR told her she had to suck it up, suck up the experience. Not surprising, she left the organisation. And here we are 30 years later, whenever anybody asks her about that organisation, she refuses to comment. And that in itself speaks volumes. And people do ask her, you know, about the organisation. Is that somewhere I should go? Do you think my career will blossom? And she doesn't comment. You know, that says it all. So, you know, if we're being mindful as well about our reputations, it's not just the public reputation we need to be mindful for about. We need to be mindful about how we're treating our people and whether or not when they leave, because it's, you know, it's a natural progression that people will leave. Are they leaving as your future ambassadors or are they leaving as your silent assassins? I love that. And, you know, so are they leaving as your future ambassadors or are they leaving as your silent assassins? That is amazing. I love that. And so something for leaders to think about in terms of, again, doing the right thing in terms of how you show that empathy um, on a on a day to day basis. So Donna, um, if you have to give your 20-year-olds any advice, your 20-year-old <laughs> self, any advice, <laughs> what well, advice I, would you give yourself? This is, you, this, I'm laughing because I had, to, I had to, before COVID, I had to go and do a presentation. And I don't know if, um, I don't know how you'll take this, but actually 
my point to those 20 year olds was do not think that you don't have to start worrying about your pension today oh wow that's different I wasn't expecting that Uh, and and the reason I get exactly because when I thought about it and I think it's you know because I'm older now you don't think about your life in its totality Mm-hmm. it's I don't know about you but it was like you know I'm going to do my A-levels then I'm going to do a degree then I'm going to do because um, I'm a qualified accountant I'm going to do my professionals then I'm going to get a job yeah. and you know I'm going to have a career <laughs> you know that's how I thought about it but then as I got older you know and hopefully you know we're all blessed I realized my life would be longer than my career yes. so how did I want to have how did I want to spend the latter years of my life when you know I wasn't you know in a job 24 7 or you know because it feels like 24 7 sometimes isn't it but you know if if the working wasn't the centerpiece of my my day and I realized then how important it was to think about or try to imagine what my life would be like post those co-working years and I'd left it quite late but if I started at 20, how much better might it be? Even though you can't, you can't determine the yeah. outcome, which was quite, in, quite interesting. And they all looked at me with glazed eyes when I said that. Um, and the second thing I asked them to think about as a 20-year-old was what's important to you as you go through, as you go through life, what's important to you, um, what's critical to have and what's nice to have. I love that. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you joining me today. Unfortunately, we're um, we're out of time. Um, I love the reference you made earlier to psychological safety, uh, Professor Adam Grant. Um, I, I've seen a lot um, of um, him mentioning psychological safety um, in sort of recent months. So I'm, I'm absolutely, um, you know, just it, it, taking it all in. Um, is there is there a book that uh, he's recently published? Yeah, so his book that he's published is called Think Again. Think Again, that's right. Yeah, it's it's, it's, it's Think Again, and um, I haven't I haven't read. I'm confessing I haven't read it, but I love the summary that he produced yes. because it's a great a, a memoir to say actually what does my what is my culture actually like, yes, and how are my people responding? Do I see them speaking up? Am I encouraging that or am I shutting it down? Because uh, if, if I'm shutting it down, I'm creating a toxic environment where nobody, nobody can truly f- flourish. Uh, so it's not saying people are wrong. It's just giving tips to look for. Um, but I'm actually reading Obama's The Promised Land. That's the book I'm reading at the moment. And it's, it's, yeah, it's quite interesting. It's, yeah. Amazing. That's wonderful. Yeah, and I'll definitely be um, reading Adam Adam's book. I think again, I think it's uh, um, it's on my long list of <laughs> books like to many, read. Like many of us, we've got long, long lists, long lists. <laughs> um, someone, someone said to me once, um, buying books and reading books are two different hobbies. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, absolutely. And sometimes, you know, especially, I don't know about you, given, sometimes I just want like to read books that have people call fluffy because it gives me a half an hour of complete escape escapism. Yes. Uh, so it's just about getting the balance and a balance that works works for you. And nobody can ask more more of that, more from you than you know, you finding a balance that works for you because then I'm going to get the best of you every single day. 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Donna. Um, how can people get in touch? So if, you, if they need help and support with, you know, mentoring or their inclusivity initiatives, um, where can they find you? Well, you know, mainly actually via LinkedIn. So um, as you know, I do like to use LinkedIn uh, to share, either share thoughts or comment on what's happening around us. So that is the, the best way currently to contact me that hopefully that will change from april but that's what i'm going to say right now so that's that's the best way fantastic all to contact um, you marilise yes because i think you know <laughs> the two of us would be you know we'd be it would be really good to help others um create the culture that they want to have now there's a great idea come on everybody <laughs> <laughs> so wonderful thank you so much donna i really appreciate you joining me today and wonderful wonderful insights um so yeah thank you uh thank you for joining us today and join us again next time for some essential insights and practical tips on bullyproof uh you know make sure that you um subscribe so that you don't miss that <laughs> episode donna you want to say something no, just say, Marilise, I know you're also going to keep my email address in your the notes so people can yes. contact me directly if they say so Yes, will. absolutely. Let's let's do that. Yes, so all your contact details will be in there as well. So, yeah, so I'd love to hear your comments on today's episode. Um, let us know. Um, do reach out if you have any particular issues that you, you're experiencing. You know, we are here to help. Um, if you have any suggestions or comments for future topics, let us know. And yeah, you can get in touch with me on social media. So also LinkedIn is, is my main platform. Thank you, everybody, for watching. Take care now. Thank you. Thanks, Marilise. You're welcome. Be safe, everyone. Be safe, everyone. Be safe. Join us again next time for more essential insights and practical tips on the Bullyproof podcast. We'd love to hear your comments on today's show, as well as suggestions for future topics and guests. Get in touch with Marilise on social media or via her website, www.marilise-de-billiers.com. Don't forget to review and rate this show on iTunes. Thanks for listening.